Hey, welcome to the Culture Kings Podcast, the podcast that I don't host. But it is hosted by my good friends Edgar Montplazier and Jockey Snail. Very good guys. These guys are just going to talk about pop culture, sports, you know, a lot of shit. Shit people care about. I don't know how to put it. It's like... Podcast, but like a mosh pit. And if you ask them to stop, they'll start shit. I'm talking sports to politics to back and forth to plead the fifth. And now I'm coming back for more. Bling, bling, really big ring. Basky out with the crowny thing. With the comedians with the clowny thing. So you better bow down as the Coach Kings. Do you guys like Halloween, personally? Yes. I, I, I'm i actually dressed up. It's very subtle. Oh, you uh, are dressed up yeah, as someone. Just, Can I guess? Yes, go for it. It's without the jacket, though. Okay. Are you, uh, are you Ramona from Scott Pilgrim? No. Okay. <laughs> the, hair, the, hair is, the hair is my normal. <laughs> we have someone leaving. And he's the, leaving. Yeah. Uh, no, the hair, the hair is how I normally wear my hair. So oh, it has okay. nothing so to do with it. It has the, nothing to do with no, the hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the yellow shirt and the jeans yeah and the, the white shoes and the white shoes yeah are the glasses a part of it or there's also your normal glasses? no that's me that's my mm, yellow glasses. shirt i don't know i'm i am morty from rick and morty wow <laughs> that's very <subtle>. i know <laughs> you have gr- i don't know if anyone can see well i will uh, the the title the picture for this image should be a picture of the three of us, and I want everyone to know that she didn't put much effort <laughs> no, I did into not. this costume whatsoever. I was going to wear, because I have two costumes that I rotate between. I rotate between um, Sean from Shaun of the Dead mm-hmm. and then John Bender from Breakfast Club, mm-hmm. but it's 85 in Los Angeles today, Yeah, and I just didn't really feel wanna like- wear a leather jacket? Yeah, a leather jacket and a flannel or, you know- a full-on tie and a shirt so yeah. i i went i feel like the 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 Shaun of the dead wouldn't have been that bad because it's a white it's a short sleeve white shirt yes but the yes. tie maybe because it's fairly tight on the yeah neck. it's a little mm-hmm. stuffy and i wear it with black jeans mm-hmm. so do you wield an axe i have the um the cricket paddle yeah okay great yeah right that's not bad yeah that's not bad uh Brittany, did you did you uh wear an outfit today am i should i guess this one as well no i'm not wearing you're like the emoji outfit. You're the tango emoji. Oh my god, oh, you got yeah. it! All right, great. Yes, perfect. <laughs> do you do do you dress up for Halloween? I do. This year, I was a zombie cheerleader, okay. um, but people didn't know I was dead, and so that was like a little troubling. So I, they just thought you were a cheerleader. Yes, and I like put so much like white stuff on my face, but then I got worried of like a white face kind of situation. So then I tried to tone it back. So it ended up just being a wash. So Brittany, you are a black woman. Am yeah. I am I assuming that or is that what you are? That that's true. Okay, great. Uh and you were worried about people thinking that you were in whiteface? I was going to a party with all white people. And you know how they like to say reverse racism exists? They do like to say that. <laughs> and I just didn't want to be like in the spot about that, having to defend it. I want to let you know that they would have thought it and they would have never said it. Do you understand? And you could have gone through that whole party and they would have thought it. They probably would have felt it, but no one would have said it. That's true. That's true. They would have talked about it later over brunch that they didn't invite you to. Oh, my God. I would have missed out on avocado toast. I wanted to go to the brunch. Do you like avocado toast? No, I really hate it. So then why did you? (laughs) (laughs) I still want to be invited. Okay. Yeah. Do you want, do you, do you guys have a brunch, like, group hang? We haven't yet. We're, there's 15, we're all, we're part of a, a project. We're all Look, 15. I will get to that okay, yeah. when I'm ready, I just, Jasmine. I just realized we Jasmine, haven't. <laughs> um, do not, Jasmine, do not come to my podcast 
And tell me when. I'm just kidding. I was sorry. No, the, do you guys hang out a lot? That uh, crew? Um, this mysterious crew that you guys are a part of? Well, there, there's 15 of us, so mm-hmm. it's hard to get a gr- all 15 together. But mm-hmm. we've, we've hung out. Mostly at my yeah. apartment. Yes. Mostly wines involved. Okay. There's like a lot of yeah. wine and cheesy. What kind of things. wine? What kind of cheese? Um, I like to go with a lovely like charcuterie and cheddar spread. So I like mm. some soprasada and maybe some like goat cheese or like a blue cheese with honey. And then mm-hmm. wines, red ones. Okay. Yeah. I brought a rosé. You brought a rosé mm-hmm. one. I brought a rosé. Mm-hmm. Was it a, an expensive rosé or a cheap rosé? It was like... Somewhere in between. Yeah, I... I don't know. What's an expensive rosé? What's a I don't cheap rosé? It depends on how much he spent on it. <laughs> spent like maybe $15. Oh, okay. that's that, so nice. I'd I say touched. that's somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah. I, f- I feel like I, I try to go for like, you know, I don't want to get like the five do- like the two buck chuck for no. a party. But you want, but you know, I I don't really want to. Did you guys play Slap the Bag in college? No. It's My a, friends it, did. It's a, a game that you play with Franzia because it's a box wine, oh, but yeah. it's actually a bag. Yeah, uh, Engineer Dan, very familiar. <laughs> and so when someone is drink, they say they take the bag and they hold it over their head, and while someone's drinking it, someone else slaps it. Oh. It does nothing to the bag. It doesn't make it flow <laughs> faster. I don't know why you do it. I just it was something we did a lot in college. We did icing. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Can mm-hmm. you explain what icing is for the viewers yeah, at home? Yeah, you <laughs> basically hide a Smirnoff ice, mm-hmm. and if you find it, mm-hmm. you have to chug it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you guys yeah. do the chug on one knee, or was it chugging yes. it? Okay, it was good. the chug on one knee, mm-hmm. and a lot were a lot of them were hidden in backpacks. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the you had to find those. those yeah. Were very obvious or cupboards. But have you ever been iced? No, I made it very clear that you didn't think that was funny. I, you didn't want to be involved. No, no, and I made it clear I was like. Um, if I find, I actually like didn't really drink in college. Really, Jasmine? yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because I where did you go? I went to Loyola Marymount. Okay, so you, are you an LA local? I'm not. I'm a California local though. Okay. I'm from San Jose. Okay, so, shout out to the North Side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I kind of just didn't drink in high school, and then I didn't drink in college. And by the time I turned like 19, I was like, you know, I'm. I'm really close to 21. I might as well just wait. It was, it wow. was more just like a, That's I so made it this far. That's very responsible. Yeah. I drank yeah. a lot in high school and a mm. lot. And, and where did you go? Um, uh, College. I went to Tufts. Name me all three. You went to oh, Tufts? I did go to Tufts. Did you paint the cannon? I did paint the cannon. That's it was great. very... Did you go there too? No, okay. I just... <laughs> you guys are going to know that I know very random little facts about a lot of things that I'll just throw out. And people will be like, why do you know this random ass little fact? Yeah. But uh, what did you paint the cannon? Um, I don't remember. We painted it blue... I feel like it was like for Dodgers, but that doesn't really make sense. Okay. I don't know. Did we, you guys defend it? Or we, did you no, guys we defended it? it for like a couple hours, and then we're like, let's order pizza. Can you explain to the viewers at home, and yep. also Tiff, uh, not Tiffany, Jasmine, <laughs> I'm so sorry, uh, what we mean. So we have this cannon mm-hmm. um, at the school, and it's like on top of the big quad, and people will go at night and paint the cannon, and then you have to defend it all night so that somebody else doesn't paint over what you've painted. And it's like a big deal, and like people put announcements on there, people do funny things, and so it's like a whole like guard, you know, capture the flag kind of situation. Because yeah. someone will paint over it yes. if you're not watching. If and you're some, not watching. And some people just do it just to be dicks. Right. Mm-hmm. 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 And they'll ruin your whole design. Like you can like be like, I'm going to propose to yeah. someone. Yeah. And then, but then you'll be like, I'm just going to leave it. Someone will respect this, but they won't. They and won't. they'll paint over yeah. it. Mm-hmm. 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 So I did paint the cannon. I did do the naked quad run, which is um, okay. 
So it's the last day of the reading period and the first day before finals. Um, they call it the nighttime quad reception now. But what happened is like the very first time when people had finals, everyone took off all their clothes and then ran laps naked around the quad. So now it's called the nighttime quad reception slash naked quad run and everyone runs naked right before Do finals. Do they still run naked? Uh-huh. We still run naked. Uh-huh. How does the school feel about that? I mean, they provide donuts and hot chocolate, so okay. I feel like they're they're really good, and they make sure that everything's salted and that there's like hay, so nobody falls. Okay. Um, it is a big drink. They don't make thing. sure the donuts are salted, though. <laughs> no, that would be weird. Okay, I don't feel that way good about salted bagels either. Hmm. You know? Jasmine, are there any weird traditions over at Loyola Marymount? Um, we have a PG thirteen version of that where okay. it's the underwear run. Okay, so we're not My fully had naked. That as well. mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we have this fountain, and this is. I mean, it's kind of gross because they will, like for St. Patrick's Day, they will dye the fountain green or for Valentine's Day, they'll they'll do it pink. But then by next week, it's like the dregs of that. And it's like a Mm. gross, it looks like, so for St. Patrick's Day, it looks like there's algae in it. It doesn't Mm. even look like St. Patrick's green anymore. So, I mean, we have stuff like that, but. Do people um, bathe in it? Yes. So, oh yeah, that. (laughs) I guess that's a bigger tradition than what I just said. Um, I think, yeah, people for finals week will just jump in there and when they're done or when, you know. And I think people get thrown in there for their birthday. Mm. I obviously didn't participate in this because I don't know when they actually did that. I think it's for their birthday. They were thrown into the fountain. And We had that at my school as yeah. well. And then someone, not at my campus, but at another campus, died. So my school banned it. Where did you go to school? Well, it's a a small school in Northern California called Pacific Union College. About a thousand kids. Really small. How did they die? Like, was it just shallow and they hit their head? I think something like that. But I I don't know. But my school banned it after that. Okay. Because it used to be a thing, like, your friends would capture you. Yeah. And, like, we would go in on it. Like, I remember one friend, we captured him, we tied him up, and Mm. we covered him in coffee grounds, and we threw him into the, the fountain. What? Why coffee ground? I don't know. It's funny. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was know. always worried since I saw Jawbreaker that we would kidnap a friend and accidentally like kill them. Mm. And that movie was pretty scary. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of movies, you guys are filmmakers. Yes. We are. Great. Yeah. Is that yeah. what you guys went to school for? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was a screenwriting and philosophy major. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, I was drama, anthropology, and communications. Okay. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, and. So was it like something like right after you guys graduated, you're like, I'm going to go ahead and pursue filmmaking, or did you guys just kind of happen into it? Uh, I pursued it. I did uh, an internship in at Sony. Oh. Uh, shout out to the Sony people. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> Sony Comedy Development was where my internship was. What was that like? And uh, when was this? This was 2013. So Community was... Community, but was. you were in development, so then you were picking in new projects, not necessarily the older projects. Because Community yes. had already come out at that. Yes, time. so Community, I think, was in its fifth season when okay. I did it. But it, I, uh, I actually think that's how I got the job because wow. I went into the interview and they were like, "Tell us about what you like." I'm like, "I love Community. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite show." <laughs> yeah, and that's you know, I'm here and enthusiastic because. That's Sony Television um, Pictures produced yes, Community. Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, I th- I think that enthusiasm is what got me hired. Or at least I, I, that's what I tell people. What uh, <laughs> What did that job entail? And like, did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was a lot of coverage, um, reading mm. scripts, and as a writer, that was um, really helpful. Reading what was being sold and what was being um, not sold, <laughs> not made. Um, 
And yeah, and it was, you know, watching out for talent too. Like they had me do like a comedy show grid to show, oh, wow. tell them like what what comedy shows are are happening this week. And they were always really interested in like up and coming talent. And uh, if I found any comedians that I liked, like to give it to them. So it was a very, it was a very um, interactive internship like I, I i did a lot for that that's truly fascinating uh one thing i want to ask you about is as a person who's reading scripts you're a little bit of a gatekeeper in a sense yeah um what did you look for in those scripts that allowed you to pass it through the gate what got past jasmine um i really liked i mean i mean like i said community is one of my favorite shows mm-hmm. so that that a unique voice especially with comedy it's it's hard with comedy because yes. i understand that a lot of what i'm reading might be going over my head because yeah. their sense of humor is not my sense of humor and all that stuff so i, I tried to be diplomatic in that way and but it's hard because it's, it's a hard. subjective feel yeah it's very hard and and what's funny is like i bet if i read the pilots of my favorite shows and mm. just read them without with my just bringing whatever i bring to the script I probably wouldn't green light it. You'd probably pass. Yeah, because I actually read the Arrested Development pilot script, mm. like, and I read it, and I'm like, Ron Howard's voice is the narrator, of course, but like, if I were just reading it, it wouldn't sound the same. No, because not of at Ron all. Howard's voice and like his intonations and stuff like that, yeah. bring so much to it. Yeah, that's so fascinating. Yeah, I, I think like yeah, someone was telling me that they read. Californication and passed on it, mm-hmm. and it was the biggest mistake that they ever made in their career because, of course, HBO picked it up and then like right. killed it. But like they were saying, like when I when I read the script, I didn't see all of that. Like that's all things that came in later with it. Yeah, and so many changes happen to a script yeah. after it's greenlit. Yeah, yeah, and you know, especially with scripts, like scripts are meant to be made, so mm. the the script format is not what it's supposed to be, and so it's it's hard. So. so I have a question that I want to ask you, but I'll ask you a little bit later because okay. I want to get to Brittany. Brittany, yeah. you just got out of college. You got $6 in your pocket. What did you do next? <laughs> um, I started waitressing. Okay. Yes. Where? Um, so I'm from LA, so I moved back here because okay. my family was here and I didn't want to shovel snow. Where in LA are you from? Um, Baldwin Hills. Okay. Mm-hmm. The here. Black Beverly Hills. Yes, yes. Well, Thank that's you for Ladera Heights. That is Ladera. But, but Baldwin Hills is also considered a very prominent black area. A, yes. A black suburb that is i would say upper middle class yes they mm-hmm. did have that spinoff on bet mm-hmm. up from the hills mm-hmm. um and so i started waitressing and i was a full-time actor okay. um and in my acting being a woman and a woman of color you know the parts that you get offered are limited so i've been a prostitute on numerous shows what shows Mad Men and oh, wow. masters of sex and wow. Anything that's a period piece where they needed a hooker, mm-hmm. they called me. So- Were you ever on Harlots? <laughs> I was not on Harlots. Mm, you got to work on your British accent. I, I know. I studied in London too, and I was just <laughs> well, like, I imagine can't everybody get started it. giving you notes. Yeah, yeah you think you know you're not getting it because you just got to work on your accent. <laughs> that, um, that could be true. Okay, so then. True. At what point, like, did you feel like, okay, I'm stuck. I'm only getting this role of prostitute. Yeah, I need to much. change something. I need to change something, and that's when I started writing and producing my own content. What uh, was the first thing that you wrote and produced? Um, I wrote a web series with my sister called Not Fucking Around Crew, and mm-hmm. it's about intersectional feminism, and it's under a dark comedic lens. Okay. Um, and so they're little vignette shorts of, like, living life as a woman of color, feeling like I'm on the struggle bus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
How, and how do you feel like that was received? Like when you were like making it, we were just like, all right, this is going to be my next big thing and all this stuff. And then you put it out and then what happened? Because um, I just released a, a series of ooh, vignette shorts. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah. Do you mean that? Yeah. Okay, good. It's really hard to like, when you know when you're sitting and <laughs> mm-hmm. you're high and you're like, I wrote a thing. Absolutely. And then actually like doing it. It's very, the the difference visible. between writing it and doing it is insane. It's huge. It's mm-hmm. huge. Um, I mean, I felt really excited. I filmed it in New York. I had a whole bunch oh, of wow. friends like favor bank me, favors of like DPs and lights. Mm-hmm. Help and stuff like that, and so I was really excited when it came out. Um, we actually won an award for best comedic short um, sketch in a Miami Web Festival. Okay. So it was like I felt like it was really well received, um, and I was really excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, we did a second season, and then I started writing more long form things. And then, what? How did that lead to where you are now? Because I'm kind of mm-hmm. leading you along. I know where you're working now. Yes. And I okay. know what you're so doing now. What but I, did, so then, I don't want to spoil it for the audience. Okay. Take them there, take, Brittany. I will take them there. So I was writing. And, you know, when you're writing and producing things on your own, one of the big things you need is money and equipment. Were you still waiting tables at the time oh, while yes. you are doing so, all this? Yes. Um, Fascinating. Thank you for all the customers at the Ritz-Carlton. Um, you worked at the Ritz-Carlton? Yeah, I at the Ritz-Carlton. What, what were some of that, for anyone who doesn't know, Ritz-Carlton is big time. Yes, it's very schmancy. Very schmancy hotel. Very schmancy, yes. Uh, what were some of the crazy things you've seen there? Oh, man. Uh, how much time do we have? We can, <laughs> listen, Jaquise isn't here. The kids are out to play. We can do whatever we want. Uh, Dan, I just want you to know, I don't know when we take commercials, so please <laughs> look at me and say, hey, we should take one soon. I mean, okay, but, uh... uh <laughs> When we come back, (laughs) you're going to tell me about this Ritz-Carlton experience and how we led to where you are now. Absolutely. And we'll talk about all of that when we come back from the break. And we're back. So you said that you were at the Ritz-Carlton, which again, Mm -hmm. big deal. Yes. Very fancy, smancy place. Mm -hmm. And uh, what were some of the things that you saw there? So I was at the Ritz um, in the marina, so it was right off of the docks. Mm. And so there were a lot of, like, bolt culture that I just did not know about. No socks with the shoes. No socks with the shoes. A lot of no-shoes. A lot of people coming up from their boat being like, can I just get a bottle of Dom? And then walking back to their boat. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that people treat hotels like grocery stores, but... I think when you're rich, you do. You do. (laughs) When you're rich, I think anything's a grocery store. They'd just be like, oh, I want this thing. And you'd be like, oh, okay. Or once this guy, he tipped me $100 for getting him Advil. Oh, my God. Advil from the gift shop that was free. And I was just like. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, here you go. And he was like, oh, here you go. And I was like, oh, it doesn't cost that much. He was like, oh, no, just, just take it. And I was like, I will. What did you do with that hundred bucks? I used it to help pay for a camera. Okay, okay, that's very responsible. That's not yeah. what I would have done. I mean, I would when went you're right to the weed store. Oh, I'm, I, hey, listen, yeah, I would have been struggling, and I still would have went straight to the weed store. Yeah, people give you free drugs there too. You know? Oh wow, okay, <laughs> a lot right. of customers, you know. <laughs> well, I hope you never have to go back there because you uh, just spill the beans hard. I mean, I think people know. <laughs> <laughs> So then how did that lead to where you're working at now? So I just felt like, you know, when you're working at a place, especially a high-end place, like two drinks there is like $50. So I ended up in this situation where I very much felt like I was in a golden handcuff situation of Mm. I'm making a lot of money here and I'm using it to help support my things. But You're not not making that next leap. Yes, I'm not making that next leap. So 
I quit that job and started temping. And then um, I was able to start doing stand-up more and start working on my projects more. And through that, I was able to get to the internship program at BuzzFeed. Mm -hmm. And so then I've been working at BuzzFeed Motion Pictures for about a year now. Okay. Are you a producer now? I am now. I'm working there as a freelancer, but I was doing oh, um, Buzzfeed, Buzzfeed, yeah. Buzzfeed. You're you know how they do the, your dirty little tricks. <laughs> they Look, we won't get three into. Months cycles. I won't. I You're won't. A ta- I won't talk about it because if I talk about it, <laughs> I'll say some shit that might get you in trouble. So I'm not going to talk about. You don't pay my bills right now, so yeah. all right. So then I'm going to keep my mouth shut. But, ooh, but work, that makes me mad. They work in three month cycles. Um, yeah, they and do. I, I learned. I learned so much there, especially because my degree is in drama and based from like the acting theater world. So you didn't have a lot of the production, production side of stuff. it. And mm-hmm. so, like, so like I learned how to PA, I learned how to run sound, I learned how to edit. Like I was like, do you know how much editing classes cost? Mm-hmm. Thousands of dollars. I already have too much student debt. So to learn that kind of skill like was invaluable. Mm-hmm. So I've gotten to produce some videos for them that I was really proud of. And a lot of them were about women's issues. Like okay. one of them was um, things people said to me after my rape. And mm. I produced one about student loans. I pay $900 a month in student loans. and oh co-produced goodness. that with my friend Fernando. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like um, I've gotten to make a lot of content that I feel like means something to people and reaches people that is not just like, ha, ha, ha. We're just scrolling through the internet. And I hope to reach people and be like, yeah, I had that experience too. And thank you for putting a voice to it in such a public platform. Oh, well, that's very special. And mm-hmm. it's almost as special as the project that you guys are working on. Guys, mm-hmm. welcome to Culture Kings. I took a very long time on that intro because I want to say it was Michael Hill. Flamed us on the internet and said, oh, would you listen to Culture Kings? And they say the intro right away. So, bam, I spent maybe, what, 23, 24 minutes <laughs> before we did the intro. Are you happy, Michael? Do you feel better about yourself? Are you? We didn't do it for uh, 24 minutes. I'm Edgar Montpazier. <laughs> welcome to Culture Kings. Uh, I have two very, very fantastic guests with me. I have filmmakers Jasmine Chong and Brittany King, uh, who are part of the Los Angeles, or Angeles? Angeles. Angeles, the Los Angeles project. Uh, can you guys go in a little bit about what that project is and how it came to be? Um, well, the project came to be, uh, I met up with a fellow filmmaker. Her name is Emily Svensson. Mm-hmm. And I do know Emily Svensson. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. I've met work, her at BuzzFeed. Yeah, I used to work yeah. at BuzzFeed with her. So <laughs> we were just talking about, I guess, how frustrated we were about how it, it's it's hard to direct. Mm. Uh, and it's hard to be in that position because you need money to direct. You Absolutely. need crew, you need lights, you need all these things. And um, she was telling me this story about how she met someone who was a director, a working director, and he's like, yeah, I just sort of fell into it. And she's like, how do you fall into directing? Was this guy white and male? White. I I do not, she didn't specify, but I assume so. Okay. Um, And she, and we were just like, it's frustrating because it's frustrating to be seen as uh, a creative person, Mm. as a woman, um, to be seen as a director or a cinematographer or, you know, any of those behind the scenes roles. So we just decided that we were not gonna ask anymore and we were just gonna do it ourselves. And um, we're both directors and we, I mean, we could already list like so many people who were in the same position as us, our friends, uh, our coworkers. And we were like, why don't we do something that can 
give an opportunity to, to not just us. And so we decided to do an anthology project mm. and bring uh, 15 other women on board. Or no, 13 other women on board. 15 with us. Mm-hmm. Now, how does it feel being in charge of something that is so like, uh, how do I say this? It's so necessary for right now, but then again, it's very hard to gather the resources for something like this. How do you balance that between being like, I want to do this, I want to go all in, go all in on it, but I also need to figure out a way to make it marketable and get resources? Yeah, that that's been sort of the hardest part is um, the resources because uh, the last projects that I've done, I've been lucky enough to work with people who know what they're doing mm. and uh now me being the person who's supposed to know what they're doing it's there was a lot of learning there was a lot of like okay start the llc permits uh people and uh production and all these stuff all this stuff that um you know you don't really think about when you're first you know bright-eyed bushy-tailed doing this project mm-hmm. um but yeah no it's it's been a challenge but it's been really rewarding because I, like you said, it's necessary. It's necessary mm-hmm. to get more women's voices out there. Absolutely. Diverse voices. And so, yeah. Um, I think it's less than 30% right now of films being made or directed by women. I want to say yeah. it's like, I probably even. I feel like it's like 11%. Yeah. It's like something like, like a, it's very disgustingly low. It's very, very low. <laughs> yeah. um, and you guys are both filmmakers. So, you guys, I assume, both enjoy films yeah it would be very weird if you guys were just like i want to pick this career in something that i do not enjoy (laughs) um so like how does that feel as someone who's consuming something and not seeing yourself being represented in it um i it's funny because i and i don't know if if you guys agree um as fellow people of color but um i didn't really notice it until I saw it, if mm. that makes sense. Like, I completely understand what you Yeah, mean. like, I watch James Bond films, and I'm like, yeah, I could, like, I see my, you know, I, I relate to that, or, you know, whatever, even if even though it's a white man, you sort of grow up having to put yourself in the shoes of the movies that you're seeing, um, even if they don't look like you or have the same background as you. And um, I think it took a while before I saw, you know, Obviously, like Crazy Rich Asians just came out and Wonder Woman just came out. And I didn't realize how much I needed it until I watched Wonder Woman and I cried. And I was like, oh, like these are women who are kicking ass and they're not being sexualized or objectified. And um, yeah, it was. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I knew it needed to happen because it wasn't happening. But I think it really took seeing it happen. For me to realize, absolutely, really realize uh, yeah, that, no, yeah. that was that's what college was for me. Was I had you know some teachers who were just like, you should look at these filmmakers. And I remember for a long time in high school, I was the kind of person who would be like, I'm not one of those black people. Like I would say stupid shit like mm, that. Yeah, and I was surrounded by all white people at least in high school because of where I went to high school. Uh, Did you grow up here as well? Uh, no, I'm from New York, but yeah. I moved to a very secluded area later in my mm-hmm. life in the border of Mexico. And uh, I think that, like, something that was very enlightening for me was to go to college and then have black friends again and then be in a circle and all of us want to be filmmakers and wanting to see ourselves. Like like you said, it you don't see it until you see it. It's almost like biting into the forbidden fruit and then, like, how Adam and Eve in 
that metaphorical story, 100% not a real story. Uh, I mean, she was hungry. She just wanted to eat the apple. Uh, yeah. so I feel like, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But uh, uh, um, a very metaphorical story of uh, that they felt naked because they realized everything. And that's how I felt when I was just like, man, everything I watch, right. I'm not in it. Right. Like, there's right. no one who looks like me in it. And then similarly, how you felt is how I felt when I saw the movie Dope. Oh, when I so saw that good. film, I was just like, this is me, and I'm mm. seeing someone like me. And Donald Glover was like that for me as well. Right. Where like, I'm like, oh, okay, I need this. Um, I felt that way because I went to an all-girls school for since 6th through 12th grade. Oh, wow. So I had just a vision. I, like, I just What school? The Archer School for Girls. Okay. Um, and it was a beautiful experience, and just women were – since there were only women, we did everything. Mm. And they would tell us, like, you know, stories that I just thought were lies. Like, you know, girls don't get called on in the classroom as much. Or, like, sometimes women, like, will dumb themselves down for blah, blah, And I was just like, I think they're just telling us lies. Until I went to college. And I was just like, oh, shit, this thing is real. The patriarchy mm. is alive and kicking. Mm -hmm. And to come from an experience where everything was women-centered to, hey, we don't care about you guys and nothing is centered around you, mm. I felt like it was very stark for me of like, okay, I know women, and I know women have tons to say and so many interesting stories to tell, mm -hmm. and why aren't these being put as the forefront? And even if they are on the forefront, it's always like a guilty pleasure. Mm. And when you think about the things that like where women dominate, like even like reality television, it's like, oh, it's something that's sinful and you shouldn't watch, or like yeah. Lifetime movies and stuff or like it's that. Dumb. It's, it's not, dumb. It's, it's not, like, it's not prestige. Right, it's not, yes, it's not eloquent, it's not highbrow, it's not mm. whatever. And I'm just like, you guys are wrong, and <laughs> yeah. we're here to show you that there are ways to show lots of different stories, and it is inclusive, and it can reach lots of different people, and people should be, I feel like one of the strongest pieces of film is it, it is an art that illuminates people's voices and brings people together, and we've been missing a huge part of that, and that's what we're trying to do with this project is mm. bring more people together. Now, 15 people is a lot of people. It is. Uh, for one project, uh, I, one of my favorite uh, uh, films is called The Exquisite Corpse Project, and it's about this sketch group that all tries to write a movie together, and it is truly a catastrophe. <laughs> How do you guys divvy up the work amongst 15 people? Um, well, that's the nice thing about the anthology format is that mm -hmm. it's nine separate shorts. So, okay. um, you know, so 15 includes the writers and directors. So uh, we have nine directors um, for the nine shorts and then um, and writers. So, you know, so, yes, it's one cohesive project in the sense that it's about Los Angeles and the darker side of Los Angeles through, uh, told through the eyes of women. Mm -hmm. But um each short is unique and individual, and we give each other notes and we give each other, um, you know, our thoughts on the project. But ultimately, each short is in the ownership of the writer and director creatively. Mm. Yeah. So I co-wrote two shorts. Um, so one is called Rebalance. And it is about a girl who's struggling with OCD, and she feels that it's ruining her relationship and that a juice cleanse that she sees on Instagram says mm. it will cure her mental health issues. So she decides to try it. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's very okay. exciting. So because it's anthology, um, there's a lot of – I mean, anthology is hot right yeah. now, right? Yeah. Anthology is like the thing that everyone's doing. Uh, I mean, Ryan Murphy has basically given up on, you know, pushing himself and yeah. <laughs> is just doing all these anthology series mm -hmm. all over the place. Um, is it bound by genre or 
can, and for someone who doesn't know what anthology series means, I guess the easiest way to explain it is it's not like a continuing narrative, mm-hmm. right? Think of like the Twilight Zone or mm-hmm. Black Mirror. Although all of those yeah. things are linked in theme, mm-hmm. they're not necessarily the same thing. And then you also have anthology TV series like Fargo where it just changes every season. But I'm mm-hmm. guessing that this is going to be every short is going to be its own contained story. Yes. So are they are they bound by genre or can it be truly any genre within these nine shorts? The only the thing that binds them all together is location Los Angeles mm-hmm. and exploring the darker side of Los Angeles. Okay. So all um all of them are dark, but some of them are dark comedy, some of them are darker drama. Mm. Um but they're all just exploring dark themes uh, mm. about the city and yeah, that's what's them together. Mm-hmm. Okay. I yeah. like that a lot. So I wanted to circle back to something with you, Jasmine. You worked in development. I um, and there's something very interesting happening in the development world right now. And I talk about this with any of the writers that I bring on, mostly out of selfish reasons because I'm a writer myself. Uh, have you heard of this new thing called mini rooms? Yes. What do you think about mini rooms? And uh, again, for someone who doesn't know what a mini room is, like you're saying, when you develop a show, it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. You get the script. They put notes on the script. You go through all these passes and all this stuff. Finally, you're ready to shoot a pilot. Mm-hmm. You shoot the pilot. And this is how it's traditionally done. You shoot the pilot, and then they, of course, screen the show. I'm telling, I'm looking at you, mm-hmm. and I'm saying these things that you already know, but I'm talking to an audience. Right. Uh, uh, and then they buy the pilot, and then they shoot the show. But what a lot of networks were discovering was... You could have a pilot, and then the show you get back is completely different. Mm-hmm. Ergo, our favorite show, Community, mm-hmm. which the show that it is and the pilot are very different. Yes. So then now they came up with this thing called Mini Rooms, where you write out the entire season so a network is more aware of what they're getting, and it's a lot cheaper than shooting a pilot. But the downside of it is you can put in all this effort that doesn't materialize. How do you feel about um, that as a creative? I... I don't know too much of, about it on the ter- in the sense that I don't know what it means for – I mean, I'm sure the WGA requires that you get paid and all that stuff. Yeah, you get it. paid decently. Um, but, yeah, I – yeah, I – because I haven't actually worked in development since then. I've been working mm-hmm. in rooms, and uh, the mini room that I was in was more um, like we didn't write out the entire season. We sort of um, – we beat out the season and then pitched it and then then the room started. Mm-hmm. But we also had the full pickup. So Interesting. Yeah, so it so I mean, I think mini rooms take on different forms and that mini room in that sense I think was a good experience. Helped. Was a yeah. good experience, but I can also see how it's a little it's a little tough when you are in a room working on an entire season and you're putting your heart and your soul into a project that will ultimately be rejected. Yeah. And will ultimately not, not come air. into fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, I think with everything these days with streaming and, and new forms of te- television being explored, um, everything is such a double-edged sword mm. in that sense that, you know, you do get to have a room and get to explore your show, but then it might not be made. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, for me as yeah. a low level writer, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Yeah. Cause you know, I'm just bouncing from room to room making money. Right. Uh, right. But there's a part of me that's just like, I wish that I could say what show I worked on. Right. Uh, versus oh, yeah. being like, yeah, it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who 
every time she said that she was going to work, always called it the untitled Netflix show yep. mm-hmm. in her social media. And finally she got to be like, we're announced. But it was like months of like this Maybe quote unquote show. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So, Brittany, this project yeah. is unique in that it's coming from a female perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you... Do you ever at all worry about exciting an audience that isn't necessarily that perspective? Mm-hmm. Or do you or are you completely like, you know, secure in being like, this is just for women. This is all I care about seeing it. Like, how do you balance those two feelings? I mean, I feel like the stories are centered around women, but the content is not just for women to mm. consume. We're making the content for everyone. Like a good movie is a good movie is a good movie. We want it. To- it's good. Mm. So that's our main focus. I feel like sometimes we are worried about getting interest in the project, getting mm. resources for the project, because people are like, women are doing it, so who's in charge? And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's us, guys. Yeah. You know, it's us. Yeah. You know, I went to school, too. So mm-hmm. um, that, I feel like, has been the biggest obstacle of feeling like that people aren't believing in us or believing in what we could create. But mm. I feel like... You know, there are a lot of other people who get opportunities and it's just like, oh, he's a guy. He just graduated. Let's just, you know, give him a hundred thousand dollar movie and see what happens. And Mm -hmm. it's just like we're not being given that same opportunity. So we're taking it. So we're taking it. And but I feel like what we're creating is content for everyone to consume Mm. because the stories are about experiences and about emotion and about feeling like if you have a story about mental illness, that's not just about women if you have a story about the environment that's not just about women mm. the same way like women's issues are everyone's issues like our stories are about everyone i love it mm-hmm. that's absolutely fantastic and heartwarming and also inspiring and makes me think a lot about myself as a writer because i think i often can be like well then maybe it's not for you like you know what i mean i mm-hmm. i take that opposite mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. take where i'm a little bit dismissive and defensive of of uh my projects but I like what you're saying where it's good is good is good mm-hmm. and like as long as you guys are telling good stories, it can be applied to everyone. The resources thing, yeah, it's, it's very hard to get resources for, you know, something that doesn't come from a white man's brain. Uh, um, <laughs> I want to go ahead and talk about how you guys selected the people that are involved with this project, but I will do that after the break. So we're back. We're talking 15 filmmakers. It just started with you and Emily. Yes. Is that correct, Jasmine? Yes. How did you guys go ahead and select the other people involved? Um, that was pretty simple. It was friends and friends of friends. Mm. And, um, you know, I some of these women I know from high school. Some of oh, these wow. women I just met for this project. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it really, I mean, it really spoke to the fact that we could find just 15 people in our network really spoke to how much women are knocking at the door and want this opportunity and there were several women who heard about it mm-hmm. and approached us and um you know because we're, we're doing such a small thing we had already gotten started and um we unfortunately couldn't accommodate you know everyone if we had if we accommodated everyone honestly like there's so many women out there who want to do this it would be hundreds of women wow um look for us for season two yes mm-hmm. and you know that's that's kind of the the wildest dream for this is to be able to do this again and to reach out to those people that um, couldn't, couldn't say yes couldn't to. Make it, yeah. yeah, and and to get them to do it too because um, 
truly like everyone all 15 women are so talented and and so creative and I was you know as the script started coming in I was just so impressed by how much uh, talent is out there I mean what truly impressed me about this uh, is you guys are essentially calling bullshit on this idea of like well I looked I looked and I couldn't find any woman. I it looked is and bullshit. where are? <laughs> yeah. I hate that when they're like, "Oh, I'm, I just don't know any women writers." I'm like, I have a little, "Here's a list of 25 that mm. you can call right now." Or like, mm-hmm. "I don't know any women cinematographers, really, because I can text you mm. at least this many." So I feel like it is a complete bullshit thing that yeah. people are saying like. We just don't know where to look. And I'm like, do you understand how many Facebook groups there are of hundreds of hundreds of talented people mm-hmm. being like, I can create and that's not being given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like it's like one of those things like, you know, how they tell people of color, hey, maybe you should just try harder or do better. Mm-hmm. I challenge that to all of Do better. Try harder. Yeah. 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 Because, you know, while we're a small independent thing and we're trying our best to accommodate as many people, the studios do have the resources to accommodate the women knocking at the door and Absolutely. the talent out there, <laughs> you know, like, so, you know, um, I don't know. I feel like if we can do it, maybe a, maybe a studio could do it. Yeah. You I know? Mean, <laughs> if two people could do it through Facebook, I'm yeah. sure a studio with all the resources it can have uh, can put together a project like yeah. this. Another thing that I find fascinating about your guys' project is you guys, this isn't a first time project for any of you. You guys are all very skilled, very, uh, uh, cataloged filmmakers like this isn't this first second third or fourth film for a majority of you guys um how do you feel like you guys are using that experience to enhance this project um yeah look at Brittany and throw that question to Brittany Jasmine very very (laughs) solid strategy very solid strategy I love she was like I don't want to answer this I feel like everybody is bringing in what their experiences were Mm -hmm. from different things. And part of it has been like a learning curve of like, what experiences did we not like that we don't want to recreate? And one of those things is like, hey, listening, Mm. feedback. Mm. How are we giving notes in a constructive way that one, respects the artist's integrity, but two, is pushing us towards a common goal and common theme? Mm -hmm. Um, How are we working together to support each other? We all have a philosophy of rising tide raises all boats. Mm. How are we using our strengths together to strengthen each other as opposed to like, mine's better. How are we doing things like that? Um, So I feel like all of us are taking different experiences of like, hey, I worked from here. Hey, I worked from there. From her working from more established studios to me working at BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed is very run and gun where it's like Mm -hmm. the same person who's filming might also be running sound is also the editor. Absolutely. That's that's completely different than a studio. Mm -hmm. So how are we merging these two different film styles so that we can get the most bang for our buck and what supports us telling the best story possible. Mm. So I feel like we're each trying to take little pieces from all of our different backgrounds and be like, what supports telling this story in the best way? Because at the end of the day, that's what we're all really committed to is like, how do we tell the story? What best supports the story? Is it shooting with this? Is it this kind of style? Is it, do we need these kinds of lights? Can we take some money from here to put it towards there? If that's what's best, like, let's do what's best. And I feel like the fact that we're all, like, really committed to making those kind of compromises of, like, what serves the best story says a lot about the integrity of all of us as filmmakers Absolutely. and the project. I think it also speaks to the, the passion that you guys have for this kind of filmmaking. I mean, so many projects, you can, like, feel it from day one of production to the end of it is these people don't care. They're right. just mm-hmm. making money. Mm-hmm. They're just collecting a paycheck. But 
you guys are under-resourced, I think, and but still bringing in so much energy to this on top of already having fucking jobs. Like, I think that that is truly remarkable. Yeah, it's, I, you know, I and that speaks to how much passion there is in, in the untapped potential that's out there. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, not only are, are women just such an underused community in terms of this industry, it's... The, the passion is underused too. Like, mm. you know, we're out here and we want, we want to do it. And you'll That's spend the money for it, it right? Yes. I mean, I think that research has already proven that when good female content is made, mm-hmm. women will spend the money to purchase it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and uh, we, you know, we, we have the experience also to, um, to know how that money should be spent too. Mm. And we're very resourceful in that I, you know, we've, you know, like with Buzzfeed experience and studio experience and, um, independent experience, like it's all, it's all coming together to, um, make this happen. So we're all, we're all trying. (laughs) So you guys are currently crowdfunding for the project. Do you guys want to talk about that experience a little bit and what that's been like? Yeah. Crowdfunding is exciting and difficult because Mm -hmm. it's asking people to open their wallets, open their hearts, Mm -hmm. you know, trust us, believe in us. Mm -hmm. And we have amazingly, we're right about at 40% today. We still have about two more weeks of fundraising. Um, And so we would love for everyone to check out our Seed and Spark page and donate, 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 because I feel like Every little bit counts, and it's like you're a little bit of supporting women's dreams and supporting putting your money where your mouth is. And I'm a big believer of like vote with your wallet. What do you want to see more of? Absolutely. What do you want? Right. What what when people things get supported, people are like, oh wow, I just didn't know so and so went to movies. And it's like, yeah, we all go to movies. Right. So, <laughs> and also if this gets funded too, it it sort of proves that there is an audience out there for mm. female content, and you know. The reason why there's going to be a second Crazy Rich Asians movie mm-hmm. is because the first, the one, first one was a hit. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it proved that there was an audience for um, Asian American stories and um, same Black with Panther. Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. Black Panther, like mm-hmm. all these movies that are uh, shockingly doing well. It's because there's an audience out there. They mm. and they either ignore it or don't know it. And um, yeah, so I think donating this project will prove like. Women's stories want to, people want to hear them. And I, I want to talk about, you know, kind of my own ignorance and my own, uh, uh, well, here's how I'll phrase it. I, I 100% love what you said about voting with your wallet because I think that this podcast, and I don't know if the fans can even tell, but is really changing its tone and its, like, you know, content because of. The fact that we're listening to our listeners and Mm -hmm. because they're so active and responsive and stuff like that, they truly are changing the format of this podcast in we're listening to what, like, for example, we used to talk about the NBA so much like yeah you have a basketball shirt on. i do have a basketball (laughs) shirt on uh a good friend of mine talia caldwell played at uc berkeley i did not go there uh it's very confusing to people because i have a lot of uc berkeley they waitlisted me okay um so anyone from the admissions office 
Like, not even if you went to the school, because you truly have no effect. But if you went to the admissions <laughs> office, Brittany King would like you to know that you w- that you were waitlisted by them? Yes. All right, great. Uh, that was worth pausing my story. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, they, like, their voice has really changed, like, you know, the format of this podcast even, mm-hmm. where we're just like, okay, we're listening to you guys, and now we're able to grow and change and I wish that more people understood that they have that kind of a, an effect on all types of media. Uh, I often joke about this show called The Mayor. That uh, did you guys ever watch that yeah. show? Uh, <laughs> um, I talk about it a lot, and I blamed everyone on Twitter for it ge- being canceled. It got canceled because it wasn't the best show, but I really enjoyed it. And I joke, but there is a part of me that's just like, if we really like came together and used our resources, we could completely control. Mm-hmm. what kind of television is being produced. Right. And I think that at times we're so okay with being passive media consumers mm-hmm. where something like Seed and Spark, something like Kickstarter is giving us the keys right. and being like, you can control what kind of media is made. Uh, I really enjoy that you guys are doing Seed and Spark because it shows you exactly where your money's going towards. Am I correct about that? Yeah, there's like a, a separate tab that says like how much of our money is going to be used for production mm-hmm. and how much of it is for posts and how mm-hmm. much is it for actors and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So yeah, it's and it's uh Seed and Spark is for filmmakers. So yes. nothing nothing being fundraised on there is not a film. Um and cuz on Kickstarter you, know. you can fundraise. And then did someone fundraise a, a potato party? You guys ever see that? <laughs> that no. It's like a baked but someone like Kickstarter or a baked potato baked party. Yeah. And they I mean, made it sounds like, like a good party. Yeah. <laughs> they got like six hundred or seven hundred percent of their budget. Oh my gosh. Wow. Oh uh, yeah, it was insane. They yeah. made a lot of money. Yeah. Potato <laughs> but, party, get at us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure they blew that money already. Yeah. Um but yeah, I like I really enjoy that seed and spark is just like this, like we need lights, we need yeah. casting, we need crafty, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, uh, because it is for filmmakers, they make it easy to uh, show people where that money's going. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that, you know, when you can see where your money's going, it's easier to give that money away. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, we want to control the media yes. that, and not control, I guess that's too violent of a word, but I'd like to have a say in what's being produced, right. you know? I mean, so often we see television shows, I mean, Netflix. I don't know. You guys are going to get me on my rant chair. Uh, <laughs> Say I, I the thing. Say, I want to hear it. Uh, I mean, it's just fat, like net, like people are just like, why is Netflix creating all these like really bad movies? Like, what was that rom-com they came out with recently? The one with um, Tay Diggs and the other one? Yeah, that came from people watching it. Yeah. And yeah. the Netflix algorithm was just like, like they're li- they're literally making movies based off of an algorithm. Yeah. Being yeah. Like if you put this and this together, people will watch. Mm-hmm. And like we're so surprised by it. I'm just like we're doing this. Like we're creating this. Yeah. Like we're joking. We're fucking around yeah. on Netflix, watching whatever. And Netflix is gonna give us that. Versus we have an opportunity here with like Seed and Spark and Kickstarter and projects like yours to be like support these independent artists, mm-hmm. help them rise, and they can be the content deciders of tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And what's great about Seed and Spark, too, is they, uh, they're they really committed to inclusivity and representation. And that was part of the the prompt, I guess, for when we submitted it. It's like, what's your your inclusivity statement? And mm. um, I really appreciate that from, you know, being being a woman and a woman of color. Like, we, we need more platforms like that to mm-hmm. give voices to the underrepresented. Yeah, we're fifty percent women of color and thirty percent mm-hmm. queer. Mm-hmm. 
and or all the umbrellas. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I mean, that's that's truly what you were talking about in the beginning, intersectional feminism, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, very good to see that being put up because I think that though, yes, oh, sorry, though there is a feminism that's being made mainstream, mm-hmm. it isn't always mm-hmm. intersectional. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> Not a word more. <laughs> a full stop at the end of that sentence. Why? Stay out my mentions. <laughs> I didn't say anything beyond that point. All right, great. Uh, <laughs> um, so we do a very silly thing on this podcast. Uh, it's a would you rather. Uh, this month's would you rather is quite the thinker. Mm-hmm. So uh, please take the time. Guys, I've been writing notes this entire time. And I want you to know that my notes are completely nonsensical. Uh, they're just words that I've been saying, and I've been writing them down as I said it. Like, I wrote white male. Uh, I'm never coming back to that point. I don't know why I wrote it down on this notepad. <laughs> I just wrote white and male, and then I was like, all right, and I circled it. <laughs> all right, so t- <laughs> they're under siege right yeah, now. I don't uh, know if you yeah, our, <laughs> yeah, our producer just got up and looked at me in fear. <laughs> um, so the Would You Rather this month, it's, very, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big thinker. It's... Would you rather skip to 15 years in the future with $250 million? So when you get there, 15 mm-hmm. years from now, whatever age you are, plus 15, mm-hmm. you'd have $250 million. Or with all the knowledge that you have now, every experience, every memory, everything you've ever tasted, you could go back to when you were 10 years old Ooh. and start your life from there. With the two hundred and fifty million? No. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> she, she's trying to have it all. She's like, wait, hold I, on. I like to have it all. No, no. Oh no. You don't get the two hundred and fifty million dollars. Okay. So you can either skip fifteen years ahead mm-hmm. and you'll get two hundred and fifty million, or you could start your life from ten years old and mm. then knowing with what we know now. Every single thing that you know now. Everything about time, everything about your life, every every skill set you have, wow. all of it. So I'm selling hard which one I picked. I so know. I mean, <laughs> but again, it's two hundred fifty million dollars. I mean, <laughs> so with this, um, going back to when we were ten years old, mm-hmm. are we experiencing exactly what we experienced, but with a not like? We can't change the outcome of our life, or we can change That is a very good question. Mm-hmm. Usually, Jaquise is the judge of those because he's the one who asks them. So I guess <laughs> I will put on the judge hat. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big nerd. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will say, just based off of pure nerddom and what I've seen from time travel mm-hmm. in movies and what is canon, I think just in the fact that you would have any knowledge, whatever decision you had made would change okay. the time path continuum. Would you agree with that? Producer Dan, okay. I think he agrees that, yeah, you would make something, something you did within like the first 30 seconds, I think would change okay. time, right? Like it would make two lines. You guys yes. are, you, yeah. you know that part in movies where Sliding they're just like, <laughs> you created another line. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. like, yeah, I think that you would somehow change. So not the same, it wouldn't be the same events. Right. I mean, I'd hope so. That would be crazy. That would be like, what? It doesn't Continue matter that I know everything. the lotto? <laughs> <laughs> No, but you could have someone play the lotto. lotto But I will tell you right now, my parents wouldn't listen to me if I was like, "Mom, I I know the winning numbers." (laughs) You'd be like, "Shut up! (laughs) I don't care." And if we skip fifteen, sorry, I'm so technical. No, when we skip Mm fifteen, do we are we basically in a coma, or do we have a life and we know what happened? This was answered on the last one. Okay, your life. 
happens. Okay. Things happen to you. Okay. Uh, but you have no. I think Jaki said, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, producer Dan. Jaki said you don't have, you don't have any memory of them. Things happened in your life oh. in those two years. Like things happen. Like you could have gotten married. Uh, a, a family member could have passed. I'm really pushing hard which one I picked, and really shitting on the one I didn't pick. Um, but things happen. But when you get to there, you have no recollection of it. They just happened. I would like. I think I would go back to when I was ten because you can always make money. Mm. You can always make money, but like your memories, like things, events that happen to you. Yeah, I. I I mean, producer (laughs) Dan does not agree with you that you can always make money. I totally get that with all those. I also. I also disagree in the fact that you can always make money. (laughs) I would like to believe that I can maintain some agency. Of course. And towards making money, but like. Imagine, like, you don't remember who people are anymore, and, like, mm. you have to keep relearning things. Like, at least see Memento. It seems stressful. <laughs> if that's what you think the hardest part of the 15-year thing is, wow. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. I just won't remember people. <laughs> I'm going to have to have that explained to me. <laughs> I would, I, I like the people They're that gonna I They're going to tell know. me who became president in these last 15 years. Oh, you know how God. hard that is? What if we go 15 years in the future, and it's The Handmaid's Tale, which is always a constant fear of mine. Of course. So, like, you know, I mean, and like, a very real fear. Right, like, $250 million, and I'm living in Gilead. It seems like it doesn't buy me much. Look, so. It's <laughs> a very good point. That's a very strong argument that I didn't consider. Yeah. Um, Uterus. Yeah. <laughs> Something that I did not have, therefore I did not consider. I, this is hard. Because mm. I think it would also be really tough to go back to 10 years old and not have the people in my life that I have in my life now, if that makes sense. Like, you know? You could try to guide your life that way. But yes, yes. you have zero control of, like, you know what I mean? Like, yes. I think about this a lot in terms of, I always think, uh, the reason why I'm agreeing with you is because my senior year of school, I had a girlfriend who, like, the summer before my senior year, she cheated on me. And I was very embarrassed by it, so I didn't want to go back to my high school, so I transferred schools. Mm. Your parents let you transfer that? I Look, I cried a bunch, and I was just like, I just, look, it's really shitty. I was at a public school, and then I was just like, I feel like I've discovered God again. So they let me go to a Christian school. Um, It was really fucked up. It was really fucked up. Like, I cried, and I was just like, I put on this whole show of like... It's God. It's God. And then they're like, fine, I guess. Uh, so they let me go to that private school. And I always think about if I had stayed at that public school, would I have got? Because going to that Christian school really fucked me over in terms of colleges because the public school I went to was like, that's why I know about Tufts University and all that stuff because it was a public school dedicated to making sure that people in this low income area go to college like and go to really good colleges. Like I toured Tufts yeah. with that school and all that. So. I was like on track to maybe go to UT Austin and all that. And then I ended up going to a really small private Christian school because I transferred. So I think about that. But then I'm also like that decision led me to, you know, my lovely girlfriend that I have now and UCB and great people in my life, such as Sarah Tither Kaplan. And if mm-hmm. I changed that one thing, would I lose all of that? So I completely understand where you're coming yeah. from with that. Yeah. So, yes. So that's that's hard because, yeah, because I, I love the people in my life. And like mm-hmm. if I – you don't know which decisions caused you to. Do you have a up... theory? Um, like I think that one is a big one. Do you have anything like that? Um. Yeah. Well, like in my life personally. Yeah. Like that like you're just like this is probably a crossroad that I would have to get to again to make sure I ended up at this place. Uh, yeah, going to 
the the university I ended up at. Mm-hmm. I think you know I didn't LMU was not my first choice. Mm. I think what was when, your first choice? Uh, like Chapman and NYU. Chapman. Yeah. Woof. Well, this is this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this, this I is, wanted to go to film school with people who had a ton of money. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's what they tell you, right? Is like yeah. the best film schools are Chapman, USC, yes. and, and, and NYU. NYU. Yes, and, they do say that. They do. So say that. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go to Chapman, and then uh, and LMU was considered like kind of the underdog at the time. It is. And uh, that was the best decision I ever made because that school put a camera in my hand day one day one yes and that is something I always that's the same thing with my film school it was very small and they put a camera in my hand day one mm-hmm. people who go to USC <coughs> it was the Kaplan uh, you know <laughs> they uh, they have this this air to them right yeah. and like and again I'm just joking Sarah and I are very very good friends but <laughs> they and my roommate also went to USC and they have this air to them but also they never got to fucking touch a camera. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and maybe they got the chance by their senior year. Right. And that's the problem of going to a big film school like yeah. that is yeah. they kind of treat you like a number. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, what I, I think this is going to sound like an advertisement for LMU, but what I think a lot of people don't know about LMU is that they, the reason they can put a camera in your hand day one is because they have a wonderful, like, equip, they have, like, an, a whole mm-hmm. department, whole camera department, a whole lighting and grip department. Uh, you can work on set your first week in freshman year and work with seniors who are directing their thesis project as a freshman. And the crews are just like crews that you'd see on like an independent film. It's mm. like they they truly know like the production process and, and how to do that. And um, I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for those opportunities, mm-hmm. if it weren't for the fact that LMU had a great relationship with Sony and I got that internship and then from Sony I got all the jobs that I've ever gotten since mm-hmm. I graduated like you know so yeah going to LMU um is a is a big I mean you know and I probably would have chosen it if I knew if I went back to when I was 10 and I knew all that knowledge. but what if I like accidentally fuck up that class and mm-hmm. don't have the grades to go to LMU you know who knows yeah uh and I really like that you said that. I think that, you know, a lot of people think, like, it's the degree that gets you the mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. But it's – and it is at times, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if we're talking Saturday Night Live, if you went to Harvard and you wrote for the Harvard Lampoon, yeah. Yeah. you got a good chance of ending up in that room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but a lot of times when it comes to getting jobs here in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about, like, busting your ass type jobs, mm-hmm. it's about the skill level. Yeah. And a lot of times those jobs goes to kids who went to like, you know, L.A. Film School or Brooks Institute because they have mm-hmm. the experience of being on set and being a grip mm-hmm. versus if you go to a big school. And I'm shitting on big schools right now. But if you go to like USC yeah. or UCLA, yeah, you can yeah. tell me about Ingar Berman or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. But you don't know how to fucking set up a light like because yeah. you don't always have that. Set yeah. experience. Mm-hmm. I know someone from one of those schools is going to be in my mentions. Yeah, they're going to be like, I worked on every set. That oh, I- <laughs> great. Good job. Good job. You're the exception to the rule. But like you're saying, yeah. it's that set experience that gets you jobs. Yeah, yeah. And it was the, and it was the, like, you know, obviously I'm not going to shit on the other Let schools. Let me do it. Gonna, I'll shit on them. But it might sound that <laughs> Pass way. Pass me the mic. But, you know, because we were such like a, like, do-it-yourself school, there was... I mean, there's always ego when you work in a creative field, but, like, everyone was truly supportive of each other. Like, mm-hmm. everyone wanted to help each other on their mm-hmm. movie. Everyone wanted to be their grip or cinematographer or editor or whatever. Yeah. Like, it was it was so collaborative. And I never once felt that, you know, 
people were out to sabotage my projects because they wanted their project to succeed. You and know? that's all they do at USC. <laughs> and that's everyone at USC is a straight sabotage. I'm just kidding. <laughs> my roommate is truly the most delightful person, and he went to USC. Uh, do you know yeah. Julian Vargas at all? That name's familiar, but I okay. don't Well, there we go. Know. Sorry. Uh, that was my one Lo- Loyola Marymount throw, mm. and uh, you didn't land it, so it's okay. I'm sorry. We're moving on. <laughs> uh, do you have a pick? I think I'm going to do the 15 in the future. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Because- wow. Yeah. What yeah. a surprise twist. And it's also- Under his eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just because I don't, I don't think I could go through- I, I'm I'm happy with all the decisions I've made mm-hmm. in turn you know, not happy. There's a lot of stuff I'm like, oh, that was gross. But mm-hmm. um I am where I am now and I'm happy and uh it might be interesting to just jump ahead and be like, What's going on? Yeah, of course. Look, I just hope that there's nothing in your life right now that's like really like undefined that uh. you're gonna be like fifteen <laughs> years later and be like, Oh, that's how that turned out. Like you know what I mean? Like I think about yeah. like my relationship with Anna, it would bum me out. And uh, she doesn't listen to this podcast, so I feel very comfortable saying that. Uh, <laughs> it would bum me out 15 years later. I'm just like, oh, we're not together anymore? And you don't yeah. know why? And I don't know why? See, it's the not knowing yeah. why. I would be fucking bummed. I would be so bummed out. But then maybe I wouldn't. I, yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm fucking rich. I'd be yeah. like, nah, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a boyfriend, too. And I, I, you know, that that's a scary one. But I think the scarier thing is if we never met. I think. Damn. So. Jasmine with the bars. All right. Well, that's, what, that's, that's why I went, I went the other right. way. Yeah. Guys, yeah. We're, we're getting ready to wrap up. I want you guys to talk about your project one last time. And here's what I want you guys to say. I want you guys to say two things. Okay. First thing is something that people should feel good about when they donate. Like, be like, if you donated, you should feel good because this. And secondly, a dream that you have for this project. Those are the two questions. All right. Um, I feel like you should feel good that we are paying women, um, mm. especially in entertainment, especially with newer projects and independent things. A lot of times people try to skirt by with a lot of favors and a lot of just not paying people. Mm. We are committed to paying people. We are committed to paying women and paying everyone what their skill is worth. So that's something you can feel really good about. And what was part two? Oh. It was uh, something that you dream for the project. Oh, Okay. Let's get into the dreams. I dream for the project that not only are we a wild success, that it ends up on that trajectory that Issa found herself on, Mm. where before you know it, Oprah's involved, and (laughs) we are (laughs) killing I'm not laughing at your dream. No. I'm not laughing at your dream. Oprah knows me. No. (laughs) She did shake my hand. (laughs) I did like that you're saying, you know, I hope that it's on the trajectory that Issa's on. Where Oprah finds it. I was like, that's a big, that's not what happened with Issa. Like, it didn't jump I know, I know, from web ju- series there was a, to Oprah. Well, Pharrell did finance season two, and yeah. then there was a five-year period where there were a lot of touch-and-go kind of situations. A lot of touch-and-go yeah, situations. Yeah. But yes. you were like, and then Oprah, and then I'm at the White House. <laughs> you know, Michelle's there, Barack. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, they're, they're the first lady and president again. Uh. That would be so great. No, my my dream for the project is that it's a success that reaches people and makes people feel not alone Mm -hmm. and that we inspire women everywhere to no longer sit on the side and to just jump in with both feet and just start creating content whichever way they can. And so I hope that we end up being an inspiration to other filmmakers, female filmmakers. Okay. Mm -hmm. I like that. 
I like that a lot. And Oprah, yeah, you can. And then Oprah. Yeah. Look, so Britney won't be satisfied unless this project ends up in (laughs) Oprah's lap. Uh, (laughs) She hires women. She does. She does. She does. And she's the only person. (laughs) Not a single other person in all of Hollywood is hiring women. Only Oprah. And Reese Witherspoon. Okay, fine. Now there's two. (laughs) But Oprah hired Reese Witherspoon. That's true. Um, Jasmine. What is something people should feel good about if they donate? And what is a dream that you have for the project? Um, I have to back what Brittany said. It's, you know. You need, you, you need your own answer. I need my own answer. Um, <laughs> you need your own. Uh, you ain't going to punk me, Jasmine. <laughs> this whole time you've been trying to punk me on my own podcast. I'm just kidding. Uh, um, I think people should feel good about the fact that it's going to um, a very underrepresented voice in Hollywood. Mm, and mm. that uh, not one dime will be spent frivolously we are true like you know it's it's nine films and even 35 we're asking for thirty five thousand dollars on the campaign and while that might seem like a lot in terms of actually making nine shorts it's the project mm-hmm. yes it's, it's nothing it's nothing mm-hmm. so we have an amazing producer sarah yeah you mentioned before and she budgeted it out and every dime is being spent with intention and if I know it, anything yeah. about Sarah Taylor yeah. Kaplan, she makes sure that every dime is used. Yes, yes, yes. She's and amazing. She's awesome and amazing. And it, like, there's an Excel sheet with like, this is how much we're spending for this, and this mm-hmm. is how much we're spending for this, mm-hmm. and that's how we get to the thirty-five. So like, that number is very intentional, and um, the money will be used well. And I think people can feel good about that. All right. And what's yeah. your dream for the project? Uh, the dream is that we get to do this again and we get mm. to invite more women on board mm. to share their voice and have a chance to direct, which is surprisingly hard to do Absolutely. in this, in this industry. It's a lot of, a lot of stuff that, um, not a lot of people think about. And I definitely didn't really think of it until we started doing this and yeah. now we're chugging along. There's going to be a lot of men who are going to listen to this episode and be like, well, there's not something like this for me. I want you to do two things. First thing is, shut the fuck up. That's 100% not true. Second thing is, just push this project forward and don't make it about yourself. Like, be completely okay supporting this project. I promise you there's a million things like this that are just for you. You probably have one in your name that you didn't even know. Uh, so I, I just want to make sure that that's very clear. Like, I don't care what race, what whatever you are, there's something like this for you that exists. And it's okay to just push this project forward. Uh, again, you can find this project on Seed and Spark. It is the Los Angeles, Angeles. project. Uh, they're looking for $35,000 to do a very, very wonderful short film project that are going to be nine Short films directed by 15 women, very talented filmmakers. Um, guys, where can they find you individually? Oh, um, I'm on Instagram as Best Brit with two T's. Best Brit. Best Brit. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a big statement. I think so. <laughs> All right. I no live argument. in my power. Okay. No <laughs> argument here. All right. Fantastic. Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram as L E L underscore Jasmine. Jasmine with an S and an E. Okay. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for having us oh, on here. Yeah. We so appreciate it. It truly the was my pleasure sitting here having a conversation with you guys on a Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. I couldn't think of a better way to spend it. Yes. Can you? No. I can't. What? Oh, you said you can or you can't? I can't. You can't? No. If you can, it's okay. I won't be offended. No.
This I, is so exciting. My first oh, podcast. Yeah. My too. This is yeah. your first podcast. Yes. yes. I'll give you guys. I'll give you guys grades for uh, your performance. Give me oh, a second. No. Okay. 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 <laughs> I got all A's in school, so we're just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> Things change. Yeah. <laughs> uh, producer says A plus. Oh, producer Dan, A plus. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you, producer Dan. Okay. He sees us. I got an A minus in PE because I wouldn't run the mile. Wow. <laughs> that is truly an awful reason to get an A minus. Um, so, Jasmine, I felt like you were very informative. I felt like you were very confident in the things that you knew. Uh, and I also think that you found a way to personalize all of your stories. And for that, I'll be giving you an A plus. Yay! Brittany, uh, uh, you have such a strong personality that I feel like immediately makes you very likable. Uh, I also think that you have a breath of knowledge that uh really shocked me i was like oh damn she lived you know what i'm saying uh so i really enjoyed that i would also be giving you an a plus oh i also got an a plus from producer dan thank you so much thank you so much you didn't even have a co-host to bounce things off of so that's really great oh man and boy did i struggle Uh, (laughs) great uh you guys know the deal with us oh wait so we will be at the Chicago Podcast Festival November 29th. Tickets are on sale at the Chicago Podcast Festival website. Wow, you nailed that one, Edgar. Um, please go check us out. We're sharing the hour with Yo, Is This Racist? We will be fighting them. We will be getting into a fight with them. They've been sending numerous threats to us on the internet, and I will let you know that those threats will be met with vengeance. Um, also... We got a new T-shirt line available on our Tee Public. Jaquise went ahead and designed these really dope Culture Kings T-shirts. They're all based off of old, I want to say mostly 90s black sitcoms. We have a, a different world one oh, yes. uh, right now. <laughs> um, I don't know. Should I say N, a different world T-shirt or A, a different world T-shirt? I don't know, but that truly messed up my brain for the 30 seconds I thought about it. I was like, what's the pronounce? What's the correct pronunciation of that? I don't know. But go ahead on T Public, check out those shirts. You know where to find us on Twitter and Instagram at Culture Kings Pod. Uh, you can find Jaquise at Jaquise Neal on everything and myself at Awful Graham on Instagram at Edgar Mopazir on Twitter. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for, uh, thank you for yeah. being an inspiration to anyone who was thinking about pursuing film, but also to female filmmakers and realizing that it's time that they just demand it and that it's time that we take control of our media. Mm-hmm. Uh, any final thoughts? Um, just because we've said it a lot, uh, if you want to look up the project online, it's spelled Los Angeles, but with an extra S at the end. So we are on uh, Twitter and Instagram under Los Angeles Film. Support women. Great. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.